Hey, yo, internets, this episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by none other than our very best friends in this podcast space. Bevel. You know, Tristan Walker and Associates, Walker and Associates, have come up with this amazing product. We've been selling it to you guys for the past three or four years. It's kind of, uh, what's the word? What's the word I'm trying to use? It's kind of embedded itself in our community and our culture right now. This shit is flying off the shelves in Target. But what motherfuckers are not giving you is the first month's subscription for free. So right now, go to getbevel.com slash jack. Me, Jack, getbevel.com slash jack for your first month's subscription for free. I got to tell you grimy niggas that this does not include the trimmer. Y'all got to pre-order that shit. I got nothing to do with that. Y'all niggas got to stop hitting me up on DM and text me, oh, Jack, I need that box. I need that box too. But until we work that shit out, Go to getbevel.com slash jack. Get your first month's subscription for free. Don't ask me for nothing else, internets. Shave like a fucking king, and I'm out. ATL, let's welcome to A3C, Mr. Zaytoven. What's going on, sir? But to, but to answer your question, man, like I, you know, I like I love like just keeping our ind- independent streak and our independent spirit. So when Atlantic reached out to us, and at the time I didn't know, I wasn't really following who this artist was, and they were like, "Yo, you got to have Kevin Gates on." I was like, "All right, we'll do it." You know what I'm saying? And he came in, man, and and. That nignog was so weird, but not only was he weird, I'm a weirdo too. I just know how to dress that shit up. But when he came out, man, on the show, I started feeling weird again. And then we went on this weird path, and I was like, yo, Kevin, man, like, I fucks with you forever now. Come on the show. And, and since then, man, you know, he has an open door, man. So, yo, King, where you going, man? We about to start the show. You got to go to the bathroom? Yo, what's up, man? What up, what up? What How you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. How y'all doing out there, man? Yeah, well, hold on, hold on. Round of applause for Zaytoven, man. Yeah. Oh, what's up? Yeah, what's up? How you been, So We starting this interview. Where's King, man? What's up? Yo, King. No, hold on. Come on, man. Let's go. Yeah. Everybody say, hey, King. Hey, King. Hey, King. Hey, King. Hey, King. Come on, man. Everything all right? What, you sharted? <laughs> That's the only emergency that requires you to get up, man. Okay, okay, she all right? Yeah, yeah, she's good. All right, turn off the phone. Zaytoven, what up, man? What's up, what's Yo, up, what's Zaytoven, up? Yo, man, how does it feel, man, when people call you a legend and you're still alive? Uh, it's, it's really overwhelming. I don't, sometimes I don't like being called a legend because it makes me, you know, legend to me seem like something of the past. Like, you know, like I done been here and then my time is over. So, you know... You know, I appreciate it. I appreciate being called a legend, but then, you know, I'm still going hard right now. I'm still battling. I'm trying, you know, I'm battling all the youngsters. So, you know what I mean? I don't want to, I don't want to take my, my legend, my legend, um, you know, acceptance right now. For real. You know what's even worse is when cats call you a pioneer. Yeah, I don't like that. Because yeah. what, what history has proven that when you're a pioneer, you create something, you establish something, it becomes a foundation and then the next generation comes in and wipes you out, man. Do you feel that pressure, man? You know what? I don't feel that pressure, to be honest with you. You know, I see the 
the competition, which is friendly competition because all the producers in the game right now that's hot. You know, all my buddies, I'm real, you know, real close to all the producers. All of them? All of them. You know but what I mean? none of them ever came sideways at you, man? Nah, uh-uh. Matter of fact, a lot of them always showed me, you know, they paid homage. They always, you know what I mean, looked up to me. They say, like, Zay, you know, I almost started making beats, you know, watching you. So, you know, that makes me feel old in a way. But at the same time, it keeps me competitive because, you know, I don't, I don't like for somebody else to really outshine me or do way better than me. So that's what keep me hungry. That's what keep me going. Now, it's interesting, your background, man. You were born in Germany. Germany. Frankfurt, Germany. Are you, are you a German citizen? You got dual citizenship? Not, well, you know what? I don't think so. I was only there for, like, you know, a couple of months. when I don't remember nothing about Germany. Oh, you don't remember any of that shit? Nah, I don't know nothing about that. Nah. You grew up in Oakland. Oh, I spent my high school years in the Bay Area, not Oakland, but San Francisco, California. So that's why I always say that's where I'm from is because, you know, that's where I got all my game from. That's where I learned you know, what I'm doing now. I learned my, you know, being independent, learn the music game. So that's why I say I'm from the Bay. Yo, San Francisco Bay Area, man, has such a, a deep, different, but deep historic history in hip-hop. Man, what, what was you listening to when you was growing up? Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a church guy, so you know, I wasn't allowed to listen to nothing but really gospel music. You know, that's how I even started even doing music. I was in the church playing the organ, which I still do now, every Sunday. Every uh, Tuesday for Bible study and choir rehearsal, you know what I mean? So I'm still doing that, but that's what got me into music. So I would listen to a lot of Commission, uh, Winans, <laughs> you know, William Brothers, that type of stuff when I was growing up. Uh, I didn't really start listening to rap until Dre did Dre Day, mm. and I wasn't allowed to listen to it. So, you know, it's a buddy of mine that had it, and I used to, he used to let me listen to his Walkman. But I remember when I when I started listening to it, I just got addicted to it. Like you know, I just could not stop listening to that Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg at that time. It was you know it took over, man. So you grew up in the church, man, and and that's where you learned how to play music, right? Yep. Do you read music, or you or you just play by by head by I just, ear? I just play by ear. I tried to learn how to read music, but I think I had got so advanced on playing by ear when I started to try to read music. I you know it was too slow for me. So the lady be hitting my fingers, you know, popping my hands like, that ain't right. You know, you, the fingering ain't right. So I'm like, well, I don't even want to do that no more. Your, your pops is a preacher, right? Pops a preacher. Um, did that influence you also? Like, did you think you were going to grow up to be a preacher? Uh, no, not, no, not really. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up. When I was growing up, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do or even had an idea what I was going to do. You know, I just know I like to play basketball. I like to do music, I like to skateboard, I like to do everything, a, you know, a, a young boy would do. So I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I, w I didn't think I was going to be a preacher. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? So. Did you think you was going to be in music, though? Nah, I didn't. I just loved doing music. I was small as I am, and I was crazy about basketball. In high school, all I cared about was basketball. So uh, Nice. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm ready to go play somebody one-on-one -on -one one -on -one in here. One -on -one. <laughs> After this, man, put some <laughs> money Yo, did, did your family ever discourage you, uh, being that you came up in the church, you know, with, with the with type of music like I do? Secular music. Did they, did they like, uh, why are you doing that? Not really. I just remember, like, me starting, uh, you know, starting my music, I had to use my parents' basement. And, you know, my pops is military, so he's strict. And, you know, my mom and we come from the church, so, you know, Pops was, you know, first of all saying, listen, man, this ain't no studio. Hey, don't have none of these, you know, niggas coming, <laughs> coming over here. So, you know, I mean, they, was, they was on me tough 
for a minute until I think So Icy had hit. Mm. And when So Icy hit, and I, I remember bringing like $20,000 home, you know what I mean, for the beat. And then I gave them, you know, I gave them $5,000 a piece because I've been using the studio so much. I know they didn't really believe that, you know, something was going to happen out of it. I didn't even believe. I was just doing it for the fun of it, you know, still. But when I first got that first money and gave them, you know, $5,000 a piece, then they looked at it different. Then they start, you know, buying snacks and inviting all, <laughs> all these people. Though. Bought a little fridge. Yeah, a little fridge. <laughs> yeah, so it got different. That's when it got different. You know, it's amazing, man, um, how, you know, even though you define the sound here, like, you know, sound is like people. Sound is like culture. It's, it's sometimes you think it's from here, but it travels from other places. And it's amazing that your first musical uh, mentor was from the Bay Area, JT the Bigger Figure. JT the Bigger Figure. You know, wow. who's a legend out there. You know, he's, he's got his sound. He's worked with a lot of people. How did you meet him, man? Uh, actually, I was playing the keyboard. Like, I went to this, this high school in in uh, San Francisco, we, it wasn't, we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a real band. And I remember at the football games, as the band, it will be me plugging my keyboard up and my buddy that played the drum. And we will just be playing, like, the song that come on the radio. You know what I mean? Everybody be grooving to what we were doing in the stands. And JT had came to one of the football games at that time. And I guess he seen me and like, hey, man, you know, oh, I need to get you in the studio, bro. I need to, uh, you know, you got them funky fingers. I need to bring you to the, you know, studio. Did you know I, who he was? No, nah, I ain't. No, nah, I didn't know who he was then. I didn't even care back then. Like even going to the studio, it wasn't like nothing. I was just dying to do. But once he took me and, and you know he had all the keyboards and drum machines hooked up, I said, you know what? I fell in love with it right then when he was showing me how to work everything. And he was the type of guy that he'll show me how to work it and be like, all right, Zay, go ahead, man, play with this. You know, I, I gotta go. So I be I be gone for a couple of hours. So I'm in there, you know, learning how to make beats, making beats putting it on a cassette tape so I can go home and listen to it. Let my buddy listen to it. Let my little brother and them listen to it. Now, you know what I mean, they want to rap on it after they seen, okay, they, they making beats now. So, you know, big shouts out to JT, the bigger figure. Also, it's amazing about, about the sound, about the trap sound. Like, a lot of people don't know that that Icy was very heavily Bay Area. That's Bay all area. Bay Area. That's all. You know, I was just, I was fresh from California when I did that. So, and I think what drew... Gucci Man to me at the time, even though he wasn't Gucci Man, he wasn't a big star. What drew him? What was his name at the time? It was just uh, Redrick Davis. Okay. Yeah. So, and he was just coming over. He wasn't even trying to rap for real. You know, he just had his little nephew, and it's like, man, dude from California out here, he got a little studio at his mama house. You know, little buddy, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. little buddy. Yeah, he had a little nephew called Little Buddy. So, and, uh, you know, and he just came, and I, I think I had something different just for the simple fact I came from somewhere else. And I had my own studio. That's what kind of drew, I think, Gucci Man to me. And, you know, it kind of the rest was history after that. But it's crazy because even before Gucci heard your, your music, you had played your music for other people and he wasn't fucking with it because it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, it was a different it sound. It was a different sound. They like, man, what are we supposed to do to this? Like, we, don't, we can't rap to this music right here. <laughs> and, you know, I play, I, I play a lot of keys in my music. So I didn't know how to just dumb my music down, really. So people, you know, it's like, man, it sounds like ice cream music or something. (laughs) Which is what it was. Which it was. It it pretty much was. You know, I I wasn't in the real heavy 808s and all that at that time. But, you know, I think that was what drew Gucci Man to me, and that's how we made, you know, that that first hit. Yo, you got to walk us through the very first time you met Gucci. Because he's such a remarkable, interesting 
unique, eclectic individual. You, you, you got to walk us through that first meeting, man. Uh, the first meeting, I don't think it was, it wasn't nothing real special because he came with a friend of mine, you know what I mean, that, that brought him over, and then he had a little nephew with him. He didn't really little say buddy. too much. Yeah, a little buddy. Yeah, he didn't say too much, but you could just look at him and tell he was, you know, he was greasy. He was street, you know, it's like this, you don't want to play with dude right here. So, you know, that's the first time meeting him. That's, that's what I got from him. I got that he was a real street guy and he was just, you know, trying to turn his nephew on or something like that. So it wasn't nothing real special the first meeting. No. And, then, and then at what point, because he was writing for Lil Buddy. He was writing for Lil Buddy. How, how nice was Lil Buddy, man? I don't even remember. <laughs> like, you know, he was just, you know, you know how you write a song for your little brother or your little cousin. He just got to say the words over. So you can't really say how good he was or how special he was. But, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, but I just seen the way the words were put together and the way that Gucci was teaching him how to say it and, you know, giving him the game how to do it made me take a special interest in Gucci because I just felt like he just had a certain charisma, a certain star quality about him just watching him teach the other guy. That's what made me start telling him, like, man, why don't you? You need to rap. Like, you know what I mean? I want to make some beats for you to rap on to it. So. What was his reaction when you told him that he should be on the mic? Oh, I mean, he, he you know, Gucci is a, is a goofy, funny type of guy, so he was just laughing. He's like, for real, boy, you think so? You know, and that turned into he calling me the next couple of days every morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, like, hey, man, let's, uh, let's, let's do a song. You know, and it turned into us, you know, doing it for fun to, you know, he took it, he started taking it real serious. So, People would say that you have the Midas touch because almost everybody that you've touched or discovered blew up. Like, you said you noticed something about Gucci. Did you even think, like, when you realized that he had artist potential, that he would become such a huge phenomenon, not just in Atlanta, but, you know, across the country and across the world? Uh, I never knew it. I, I didn't know it. I was, you know, I never been in that place before. I was just a guy that's trying to find my way with the music and, you know, just doing it and having fun doing it. Now, after he, you know, got, after So Icy blew up, after he came back, you know, after he got out of jail off the murder beef and people, you know, started just drawing to him, it started helping me, you know, trust my instincts on, you know, seeing who or the star was. So after I seen him, so it's easy for me to see the Migos or, or a Dolph or somebody else new and be like, hey, he a star. He gonna, you know, he got what it takes to blow up. So Gucci was like my 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 learning curve. But, you know, it, it showed me that my instincts was right, my ear was right, and I, you know, I just trusted it from from there on out. You know, loyalty is a word that that you don't hear much in the entertainment business. It's, it's a word that especially you don't hear much in rap, man. How is it that you and Gucci have such a loyal relationship, man? For me, I, I think it's it comes from me is my it's like my background, how I was raised, you know, how my family brought me up, how my mom and dad was, you know, my my dad always been loyal to my mom, you know, my mom always been loyal to the kids and the family. So that's just a you know a character characteristic I just grew up with. So if I'm if I'm you know rocking with somebody like a Gucci or something like that, it's not too much he can do to me to make me be unloyal to what you know what we didn't create and Gucci been the same way, you know, back with me. I done seen Gucci that go from different record labels, different homeboys and all that. But I was there, you know, through the whole time. So he always remained loyal to me and always bragged on me and, and you know, and, and told other folks about me. So 
that would that's what helped me stay loyal to you know to Gucci and and you know and I think the marriage that we have musically help us stay loyal to each other because it's just like peanut butter and jelly. It's like you know what I mean. You can't get away from that. Yeah, what's the difference between a high Gucci and a sober Gucci? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> or who's easier to work with? Oh, I mean, I ain't going to lie. I like both. I like both of them now. Because the, cause the high Gucci is the Gucci that's going to get in that mic booth and say whatever the first thing comes to mind. It might not make no sense. He don't care what the beat sound like. And then he going to do that all day long. It's like we doing song after song, back to back. You know what I mean? We don't care what this song sound like. Let's do that one. Let's move on to another one till we got 10 songs done for the day. And we know out of them 10 songs, we got two, three hits out of that now. Now, the sober Gucci, it, you know, it, it's, he look cleaner. He look like a bigger star. He think, you know, he think about what he's saying now. You know what I mean? He really putting his thoughts into what he say. So, you know, it's, it's, I like them both ways. You know what I mean? Right now, I think him being focused and, and being sober is, was helping him be a bigger star than what he was already. How did y'all record so many records that even when he was locked up, he still, y'all still kept putting out music, man? It's because we don't, like I was saying, he didn't care. Like, I make beats in five minutes. He records songs in five minutes. You do that, you know, every day. For a year straight, you got, you know, more, more music you know what to do with. And that's just our formula. That's always been our formula. Zay make a beat, all right, I'm going to go in and rap to it. All right, we finish that, make another beat, I'm going to go in and rap to it. So that's how you got so much material. And, you, you know what I mean, you, you got greater chances of, of having impactful records or big songs because you done did so many. Some out of that batch got to be special. And that's, that's just the way we work. How do y'all argue? Uh, you know what, me and Gucci really don't argue like that. You know what I mean? We really don't argue. It's like we both got, sometimes we got different point of views of how the music should go or what we should do with it. But other than that, you know, I... I agree with him. Sometimes he agree with me of, of how we should do it, but it's, it's never really no no real argument. Real. You know, it's, it's funny. We're we going to get off Gucci in a second, man, but I'm a New York cat, mm-hmm. you know, like old school New York cat. But when, when Gucci really started percolating in New York, man, it was an argument. You know what I'm saying? Because New York niggas think they know everything about hip-hop, mm. right? Yeah. And instantly, like after two or three listens, I was like, yo, I fuck with Gucci. And niggas is like, come on, Reg, what, what, are you serious? Yeah. But I was like, no, this is that nigga. Like, I can't put my finger on why, like, the music that y'all do mm-hmm. is so hypnotic and so engaging. What, what, what's the secret sauce? What is it that pulls people in to that world? Uh, that's the thing, man. It's, it's, I, I can't really say what it is. It's just a feeling, man. It's just, you know, it's something that feels a certain way that you can't mimic it. It ain't nothing you can learn how to do. It's just something, you know, it got to be in you. It can't be on you. So, you know what I mean? Gucci always had that. He always had that, like you say, hypnotic type of thing. It's like, it might sound like ABC. Yeah. Like, like that, don't, that don't sound that, you know, complicated. Or it don't sound like he that good. But when you listen to it, it's like, man, there's something about that. You know, the way he said ABC, boy, that's, can't nobody do it like that. ABC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Gucci blows up. Um, you start really creating this sound people are coming to you and and you're hearing artists but you decide that you want to find a different sound and you start looking for a different sound 
and, and, and talk about that journey in terms of searching for a different sound and discovering Amigos. Oh, with me, it never was about finding a different sound. It was just finding a different, you know, uh, artist or a different way of expressing what they do on my sound. One thing I had to learn was, you know, not to really too much change in my sound. If you listen to the music nowadays, if you listen to the radio, you listen to songs that come in the club or mixtapes, I feel like my sound, it might be the most mimic sound I didn't heard since I've been alive. You know what I mean? I didn't see, I hear so many people that just make music that sound like my music or music I did with Gucci, you know, years ago. I mean, at one point, like when I did the Usher song, when I did Usher Papers, I felt like, all right, it's time for me to change my sound. I want to, you know, I want to do something bigger than what I've been doing. You know what I mean? I'm better than what I've been doing. Because, you know, I'm a, I'm a musician. I play the keys and all that. So I was like, man, I need to change my sound. But then when I started doing that, started making my sound bigger and doing, and, and you know, trying to branch out, I found out people wasn't really rocking with it like that. They want the old Zaytoven type, you know, sound of music. When I get with a Usher or somebody like that, I sent them some of them big sounding records, but they were like, man, all this junk sound cool, but send me the same stuff you were sending the rappers to rap on. You know what I mean? So that helped me see that, listen, I got a sound, I got a brand that people really want. You know, I can always enhance what I'm doing, but I need to stick to my formula, stick to my sound, because that's what, you know, that's how my, my name is in this game. How, that's how I made my mark. So when I got with Migos, the reason I even got with Migos, because they sounded like Gucci to me. You know, when I first heard Quavo, I said, man, this is Gucci, man, all over again. You know what I mean? So that's what really inspired me to even rock with them like that. Of course, they came into their own. They started making their own style and swag. But what initially even turned me on to them was they kind of sounded like Gucci. The beats they was rapping on sounded like beats I made. And it's just something that, that, you know, clicked. So, you know what I mean? And when I got with guys like that, they do bring something different out of me. You know, when I'm in the studio with them, it's different than in the studio with Gucci. When I'm in the studio with Future, it's different than when I'm in the studio with, you know, with Gucci because their ears are different. They want different sound. And I feel like I can cover all that. You know, I can cover everything they're looking for. So. so would you say then that it's a natural progression? Because you said that when you heard Quavo, he, he reminded you of Gucci, but their sound, like I feel like they, they bought something completely different. They did. To the game, and, and once again, like, all my old school niggas get mad at me, but I think they elevated the game in terms of how they became, like, like Drake sounded like them. Mm-hmm. You know, say yeah, everybody yeah. else sounded like them. Yeah, yeah. You they know definitely I mean? brought something to the table. They came with a new formula. You know, they came with a new rap pattern that the whole world mimicked. You know what I mean? So, and they young. You know, of course they're going to bring some new energy to it. You know what I mean? I just initially started liking them because they sounded like Gucci. But that's just how it is. That's even with producers. Even producers that, you know, might start sounding off, sounding like they're making beats like somebody else, they evolve into something else that, you know, that be so much bigger. So, How do you feel, though, when people want just what you do and they don't, the audience doesn't allow you to grow as an artist? Because as an artist... An artist lives and breathes and, and, and by expanding yeah, what yeah. they do. Yeah. And so these people are trying to keep you in a box. Mm-hmm. How's that feel? Uh, it was, it was frustrating, man. It's been frustrating for a, for a while because I feel like, man, I'm I can do so much more. You know what I mean? But what I had to learn is 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 just just doing more 
is just kind of critiquing what I already do. Because I have something that's so sought out that people want so much that I can bury myself by trying to, you know, overdo, you know, what I'm already doing. It's like I want to grow and expand. That's just like a rapper. Rappers say, now, nah, man, I want to do pop music. Uh, you know what I mean? They can go try to do pop music, but then they're going to lose their whole audience that they done built over, over all these years. Then they fall off. Then they try to go back to, well, hold on, let me go back to my, you know, original style and sauce. Then they out the game now because, you know. So I, I didn't watch people do that, and I said, I don't want to make that mistake. What I'm doing right now, my sound is working so good for me. You're getting that check. I'm, yeah, so it's like, I don't want to. Bags. We don't want to stop making the money now. You don't want to stop we making that money. bag money, right? Yeah, yeah, we need that. So A lot of people don't know that. As, as, as They know all, a, a lot of the music that gets played in the clubs and on the radio, but they really don't know that you produce and write a lot of music for gospel acts as well. Uh, yeah, well, not a lot of major gospel artists. That's what I'm trying to get into. Right. But you know, a lot of up-and-coming guys, so. You know, breaking into the gospel realm is a whole lot different, you know. That's a whole different it's bag, whole, too. No, it's, it's, yeah, it is. That's a it whole different is. bag. I'm trying to get in there. Um, you, got a, you got a gospel group, right? Well, it's a, uh, it was a gospel, a young gospel artist I've been working with called Future Kid. Uh, I don't really have a group right now. I okay. don't have a gospel group. Did, did you have one that, that you was working with? Uh, I, mean, I didn't work with a lot of different groups, but they wasn't my group. You know, I was just working with them, so. Okay. Um... All these people that you discovered, all these people that you met, like, talk about a young Nicki Minaj, like, coming to you before she blew up, and what was it about her, like, the music that you made, and what was it about her that took us took her to where she is right now? Uh, Nicki has to be probably one of the most surprising to me. Why? Because she's such a big, like, she's the biggest star that I know that probably came out of the basement. And I didn't, I didn't really see it. I didn't really feel it as much. Because when she first came around, she was always just, you know, she had that New York, she had like a New York type vibe about her. She wasn't really What does that mean? Huh? No, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I What's get it. Interpretation of a New York. Nah, she was just trying to, you know, she was trying to prove. she I'm was from New York, son. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. She was trying, you know, she was trying so hard to prove herself and over-aggressive about her music and her rap pattern. And that's what, that wasn't what we was on. Like, me and Gucci was on fire with what we was doing. She came around us. Like, she was around Gucci. You know what I mean? So I felt like, you know, she was coming in, being aggressive on how she wanted her music to sound and this and that. And I was working with her, but I was just so caught up on what me and Gucci was doing that I didn't pay her as much attention that she needed. And I, it just blew my mind just to sit back and watch, like, dang, Nikki is like the biggest star biggest. in the world right now. Now, I didn't even take that much time to even, you know, I give her beats, I record with her. We did some songs, but I didn't really just, you know, just take the real time. Even Gucci was like that. We'll go, he'll take her, and we'll go somewhere, he'll do a feature. And then she'll get on the song. They'll take Nicki Minaj off the song. You know what I mean? This is back, you know, back Damn. in the days. Like, they taking her verse off. Like, Damn. yeah, she cool, man, but, you know, we ain't going right. to take her off. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... You know, I'm, that's something I'm proud to even have even worked with Nikki. That she used to come to the house every day, and work with you know with some you know work with me because she didn't blow up to be a real big star. Any regrets with that? Well, no, because I'm still working with her now. Like I'm on her last album. I'm on the new album that's coming up. It's just you know sometimes I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Yo, I read that you like I like working 
when I got room to breathe and I could concentrate. Mm-hmm. But I read like that you like working when there's a lot of pressure on you. Like, you, is that when your best work comes out, and why? I believe so. I just, and I think it's the element of you know the type of music that we do. Like I can't. I remember going to a studio with a few big artists. I don't say names, but they like, dang Zay, can you not? All these people, you got all these people with you. Can you not bring all them? Like, well, you know, he like to be private. He don't like to work with a lot of people around. And to me, this is rap music. This is like, a, you know, it's it's aggressive. How many niggas you have in the studio, man? I just, you know, it might be thirty. <laughs> yeah, we carry thirty people. Yeah, we carry got a we carrier. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, we got to have that because it's the environment, it's the atmosphere. That's what bring the edge. That's what make you go hard. When people right there are looking at you and watching you. If I got the drum machine right here and all y'all in here watching me make a beat, I can't make nothing weak. Because mm. then y'all going to be looking, oh, man, he ain't, he ain't hard. You, you, you ever made something weak with all them niggas looking at you? If they did, ain't nobody say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and if ain't nobody say that, that wasn't it. But see, I, you know, most of the time it's my environment. So when I'm making a beat, you, ain't, you can't tell me my beat weak. Either you rap on this beat or we ain't going to never do no more music. <laughs> so it might was. It's my house. <laughs> it's my house. So it might have been weak. But, you know, that's just, that's the, you know, I, that's the type of atmosphere. I know I like to work in. I know Gucci like to work in that atmosphere. I know Future like to work in that atmosphere. Because the people around is going to let you know that if you really doing something or if you ain't doing nothing. If you're in a room by yourself and you just you and, come on, man, you ain't, you ain't got nobody to impress. Also... Like, I've seen artists and producers work on one song for, like, weeks. You've said if, if you can't produce a beat in 10 minutes, it ain't worth it. What is that? 10 minutes beat? For real? 10 minutes, that man. Wasn't, that wasn't no, like, exaggeration to nah, the that's reporter? that's for real. No, nah, that's for real. That's for real. That's, I mean, if you watch me, if you ever watch me on YouTube or anytime I'm working, that's just how long it takes. And not saying everybody got to make their music like that, but the formula... You know, and the way which we, you know, do our music, when you just ask me, well, how y'all come up with that sound? Huh? It's, it's that. It's the spontaneous. You know, we're not thinking that, overthinking nothing. We're just letting the music come out of us. It's, it's spontaneous. It's sporadic. And just how we feel right now. The way I just made that beat should make you want to just go in the booth and just say the first thing to come to your mind. And that's just how music is being made right now. You can't. The hits that's being made right now, you can't sit down at a pen and paper for an hour and come up with that. You can't overthink it. You can't overthink that because you gonna come. It's gonna be too complicated. Then it's like you know you gotta go to college to learn how to listen to your music. <laughs> hey yo, internets! This portion of the Combat Jack Show is sponsored by Bevel, the superior shaving system designed for people with coarse curly hair and sensitive skin. Now, recently I had a situation where I didn't have access to my Bevel shaving system. And I had to get a haircut in Brooklyn. I went to the Dominicans. Dímelo, papi. And they, they, they gave me like, yo, the Dominicans are so adept at the lines and shit. My shit was looking so fresh-tacular until three days later when I had the bumps. Internets. I got to live by this product because for the first time I deviated off this shit and it fucked up my head. This one right here, this, this code right here is very special. Go to getbevel.com slash jack. For a free subscription for the first 30 days that you subscribe. This is free. This is free internet. So don't ever, t- don't ever let them tell you that I didn't give you anything. Now, I got to tell y'all motherfuckers, because I know how grimy y'all are. This does not include the trimmer. Does this include the trimmer, man? This does not include the trimmer. This is for the, for, the, for the original razor blade, the original shaving system. Go to getbevel.com slash jack. 
for your first month's subscription for free. Get bevel. Stop shaving like a fucking bum, internet. Most of you motherfuckers got laptops and jobs and go to school. Stop shaving like y'all have no fucking culture. Shave like a king. And queens, man, get your nigga a shaving system so he could shave like a king, too, unless you hate that nigga. And then give it to your side nigga. Listen, listen, go to getbevel.com slash Jack. And now back to the show. You've said because of this spontaneity that when an artist comes to you or you discover an artist, you, you don't care if the artist is super pr- prolific or if they're trash. Like, you will work with a trash rapper and create some dope shit. Yeah. That being said... How was it working with Chief Keith? No shots. Ah. No shots. Great question. <laughs> no shots. No shots. Why would y'all do Chief like that? Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Don't do Chief like no, no, that. No, no, Don't no, do no, that. no, 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 Chief might be one of my favorites. Really? Yes. Wow. He's one of my favorite guys, man. I just listen to him. It's, it's, you know what it is? It's, it's about being authentic. Like, I just listen to Chief Keith and be, that's why I just give him so many beats. I just give him all the beats he wants. Because it's he's so hard to me what he come up with. And you can tell what he come up with is not coming from a rapper. This guy's not a rapper. It's just it's a certain lifestyle he live and the way he listen to music and come up with ideas. It just, it's like, a, like how Gucci is. Nignog music. Hmm? Nignog music. Yeah, all that, whatever, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I feel like that's the type of music I make. Like my beats is, is that. You know what I mean? My beat is not meant for... Somebody can that can really just over rap the beat. My beat is it's like a groove to it. It's a it's a swing to it. So all you gotta do is be in pocket. You ain't gotta be no great rapper. As long as you riding the beat right, it's gonna make everybody in here be like, man, that junk's so hard. And he ain't said nothing. But it's so hard that you're gonna be like, man, that's the hardest song in the world right now. <laughs> um and, and listen, man, like, you know, I had a long conversation like with little B. And Little B really helped me change my perspective yeah, in terms of like as as hip hop continues to progress, are you gonna be a rap conservative? Or are you gonna be a rap liberal? And to me, I always wanna stay young with the music. I always wanna grow with the music. But ba- but that being said, what do you say to the cats that are like, yo, you might be ruining the artistry of penmanship because you're blowing up these artists that don't have a prolific pen? Well, I mean, I just you know, it's People got different music they want to listen to. It just so happens that the guys that's not prolific and the guys that's just going in the booth is winning right now. That's what people want to hear more than anything. You know what I mean? So it's not to say if you're a good, you know what I mean, artist that you, that can really put words together and put thoughtful songs together. We still need that too. We definitely need that music. We still need the J. Coles and, and Kendrick Lamar's, you know what I mean, to be in the rap game. But almost... I say 75% of the kids and, and, and the people that's trying to get in the music game and listen to music now, they like the, you know, Lil Uzi Verts and, you know, them, the Chief Keef type. They like that stuff. Yeah, Lil Yachty, that's what they like right now. And it's because it's, it's easy to listen to. You know what I mean? The mute, the beat, and the way they probably put a melody to it and sing along with it is just a whole lot easier to listen to. And nowadays, you know, music don't mean, one song don't mean as much as it used to. You know what I mean? We get tired of a song after two days. Like, boy, that song was hard. What, you got something coming out uh, in another two days? <laughs> like, that was hard. It was, you know what I mean? It's like we, the people need more. You know what I mean? The technology got us where that ain't enough. So that means we had to, we gotta, I gotta, I'm making more beats now than I ever made in my life. Because people just want more. Another mixtape, another album. Drop something else. 
So we can't really spend all the time and effort on making one, you know, song that, that people might not even like as much. So, you know, I think that's where the game is right now. Yo, you ever been in the studio with a with a with a with a with an MC and they're writing their ass off and you're like, yo, yo, you too many words. Every time. I do that every time. <laughs> it's like, bro, what? Nah, me, I'm the type of person, I'll lose the vibe now. If you start writing on a song and it's been 15 minutes, I'm, I'm ready to pull the plug. It's like, man, I'm ready. I got to go. You know what I mean? And that's the vice versa with the rappers I work with. If you sitting there, I watch them, I watch them work with another producer and the producer sitting there making the beat and it might take them 20 minutes. They like, Cause I don't even like the beat no more now. I had liked it, but when you at five minutes, the beat was going hard. Now twenty minutes, I don't even, I don't even want to do my hook to this no more. I done lost my whole, you know, feel about the music, and that's just, you know, that's where it's at right now. That's so, for us. So what happens when you get a call and there's a bag coming from TDE because they want you to work with Kendrick? Like, what happens when that when when you're in the studio with him? Like, what what do you foresee that marriage to be? Well, I, I got music already made for, you know, I feel like I got music that's, because that phone call, matter of fact, it's funny you said Kendra Lamar, because somebody just called me and said, Kendra Lamar asked for your number because he's looking for you. So I love to work with him. You know what I mean? I can't wait to work with him and, and connect the dots but between you know, them. He, be, yeah, 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 he put the pin on it. Well, he deserves, you know, I can't, what I'm going to tell him, like, but I can't Slow tell down, him. Kendrick. I can't. Take that whole paragraph out. Take that out. Cut all that off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will, you know what I mean? I will give my input, you know what I mean? Because it's like when you when people listen to, a, say, a Kendrick Lamar and they see Zaytoven produce it, they want to, they want, you know, they want to hear from both worlds. They don't want to just hear it one way. So if I'm going to give you some, you know, you pick one of these dirty trap beats and you finna rap on it, I got to tell you, like, well, say the hook like this or, or simplify it this way. And you can still do your, you know, your verses a certain way, but. Let's make the hook or the ride this type of way. So now you ain't got to rap that much. You know what I mean? You ain't got to rap. Let the, let the beat do the work. You know what I mean? But still hit them with your, your punch lines and the way you do it. So I can't wait to do that. I can't wait to we work. You moved out here, what, in 99, 2000? Yep. What was the, um, to you, from your perspective and your ear, what was the musical landscape in Atlanta then? <sighs> this was when, was Jeezy at the time? He might not have came right then. I don't, I wasn't even paying it that it much. It wasn't Jeezy yet. It wasn't Jeezy yet. So I wasn't even paying attention, man. I was like, I was still stuck on my Bay Area type of music. I was still listening to, you know, E-40 and San Quinn and Yuck Mouth and, you know, those type of guys. Like, And I was trying to make everybody down here get in tune with that, but they wasn't trying to hear that. But, you know, that's what I was on. I was still on my Bay Area mode, for real. Until, like, a Jeezy or somebody hit. And I just started listening. Matter of fact, he was one of the guys that kind of helped change the game for me because I seen it firsthand. I sat and watched him rap. Now, I never heard this guy, you know, a day in my life. But we was at the Club 112, and he performing his songs. He rapping slow. He just, you know, the punchlines are slow, but everybody in the whole club saying every word. They locked in. They locked in. I said, well, dang. You know, that's what made me, you know, almost it, it changed my ear a little bit on how the music should be made, and how somebody should rap on the music I'm making. Mm. Yo, tell us about your history with um with Future. He's another one that, you know, n- not out of nowhere, but seemingly the people outside of the the state or outside of the city, he came out of nowhere. Like like talk about that relationship. Well, you talking about the right now future? Well, because see, future didn't future didn't live this life already before. Like you know, he was the man you know some years back. 
Future is the only, I might be the only producer right now that's been on every Future mixtape from the beginning. His first mixtape was called 1000. Back then, Future was getting my beats from, I don't even know where he was getting my beats from. You know how your beats get to floating around the city and then somebody rapped on them? He wasn't even, you know, he wasn't nobody then. That's when me and Gucci was going hard. So, uh, Future, I started I start listening and paying attention to Future when Racks on Racks came out. Because I'm like, dang, Future got, even though it wasn't his song, I'm like, man, he got the hottest song in the city right now. And then after that came Dirty Sprite. I remember giving him beats. I remember giving him beats for Dirty Sprite, but I wasn't paying it that much attention. I'm like, oh, he cool. He, you know, he. Until when Dirty Sprite dropped, and that's all everybody was listening to. Then I started giving him a whole nother respect. Like, hold on, Future is, the, future. is the real deal. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm going to put all, I'm going to give Future all the beats he want. And, you know, and I think he was, the, he was the man back then, and then he didn't rebirth himself back here. In the last two years, he just became, you know, like the Michael Jackson of rap I'm on. Like, he the real deal. Yeah, what's up with uh, Beast Mode? 16. Man, listen, Beast Mode is... It's done? Oh, yeah. It's, well, it really been done, man. We probably sitting on about at least 100 songs for real. It's about when we're going to release it or, 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 you know, when it's going to come out. But I will say that's probably some of the best music I done done and heard in a long time, man. We got some real special music together. I don't know how you... I don't know if y'all really like Beast Mode 1. Uh, a lot, but to me, that's like you know, that's like one of my favorite projects. Period. You know what I mean? And I did the whole project. I don't like to really toot my own horn, but like that's like my one of my favorite projects. So Beast Mode Two is or Beast Mode Sixteen is really you know time times two. Did you get to work with Drake on that project, or did, did yeah, you, did yeah you, definitely? How was it working with Drake, man? Uh, well, when you work with Drake, you don't really work with Drake. It's almost like you send. <laughs> You send him the song, he rap on it, and then y'all done work together. So it ain't like me and him <laughs> sitting in the studio. Nah, it ain't that. You know what I mean? But you know, you always impressed to hear, you know, what he done to the track, or he might text you and say, "Boy, I just did something amazing to it." So you know, that's enough for me. I ain't got to be in the studio with him. As long as he sent me back, like, "Zay, there's some crack right here." Hey, we is, work is, together. Is it, is it crack? It's, yeah, it's real crack. Crack cocaine. Why y'all, yo, we, you got some addicts out here, man. You need to let that shit hit the streets. Man. Well, it's you know, it's not really, uh, you know, it's not all on me. If it was on up to me, everything would be out. You know what I mean? Y'all have too much music. <laughs> that just how it I ain't am. never too much music. Man, I like to get rid of that music because it makes me want to go <laughs> do some more music. But, you know, everybody got their strategic plans and, you know, and how they move and when they dropping stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm riding away with them. Yo, how is it being such a, a devout Christian? I mean, you're in the church several times a week. Mm-hmm. You know, either either you're with your family or you're with the church. How you how you always around some wild ass niggas? You know what? I don't know what it is. I think it's God that put me around just the grimiest slime ball niggas in the industry. <laughs> you know what I mean? I I guess it's meant to be that way. But you know, what's what I will say is those type of guys I take for Gucci Man, uh, for example. Even though me and him, you know, especially when we first met, we were totally opposite. Like, Gucci the robber. He the, you know, he the the real boogeyman. You know what I mean? And me, I ain't on none of that. I'm a church guy. I'm a guy that, you know, I, I'm at the church all the time. I'm with the family. at movies with my dad. That type of, you know, type of deal. And But we were just, you know, we just were so close. We were so close to each other 
that I don't know why we, you know, was put together like that, but it, it really works. And what helps me even be confident about it is a guy like Gucci, if he come in here, the first thing he going to brag to, he can be talking to a killer. He could be talking to the, the hardest rapper he think that's out. The first thing he going to say about me is, hey, man, this is my boy Zayto, this is my producer. He don't cuss, he don't drink, he don't smoke. It, I'm like, damn, bro, you ain't got to say all that. Like, that ain't got, like, what that got to do with anything? <laughs> you know, but it, it let me know that, you know what I mean, we come from two different places, but he's proud of somebody like me that, you know, and I'm going to stick to, you know, the way I am is this, that's how I am. It don't matter who I'm around, I'm going to be my same type of person, you know, that same guy. So, and I, when I watch guys like him brag on that, it made me even want to be that person that much more. You know what I mean? Because, you know, you got to you gotta be different. You can't really be like everybody else to stand out in this game or to be special or un and unique. So, you know what I mean? So that's what, you know, keep me being a, you know, a Christian and, and try my best to be an example for somebody else. Not everybody, er, everybody going to, you know, try to be like me or want to be like me, but there's some people out there that, you know, that probably look up to me or look up to what I do or how I am, and I want to be that person. You ever felt that you was ever in a compromising position though, where it was like, yo, am I compromising my morals? I, 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 even during the music period, I, I felt almost ashamed because I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm the, the pastor's buddy. Like, I'm the pastor right here, man. I got to go with him, play everywhere. You know what I mean? So me and him close. And just the music that I'm doing, even to my mom and dad, I almost felt like, dang, cause this, I don't know, it's just going to sit right with everybody. Right. You know what I mean? So I was almost ashamed of the music. I don't want to let nobody listen to it because it's so much cussing and what they talking about. But it took even the pastor friends that I had or even my mom and dad that's really encouraged me and they're proud of what I'm doing. I, I remember the pastor, the first, it was Gucci Man Hard to Kill album. <laughs> he was so proud. He in the pulpit before he preached, hey, man, uh, we got it. Yeah, we got Nah, nah. He say go get it, but go get that hard, <laughs> get that hard to kill mix. <laughs> I know I go get it. <laughs> no, he was just saying. He just held the CD up, saying we so proud of our musicians. They told me he executive produced this, and I'm like, dang. I just felt me. You know, I felt funny, but you know, when when they did that and promoted me and, and bragged on me about that, it lets me know, like, okay, you know, this is an art. Music is an art form, just like if somebody was acting in a movie or or you know something like that. So. I can't really be ashamed of what I'm doing. You know, I mean, this is what I do. This is, you know, this is what it, my gift is. And, you know, I, and so they help me not be ashamed of it to really embrace it. So, you know. That's but but isn't that what it is, man? Isn't that really what it, what it should be with religion and spirituality is, is doing your best and having no judgment for the people that don't live by the standards exactly. that you live by? Exactly. Yep. And I had to learn that. And, you know, and I think the pastors actually, you know, I remember trying to explain myself one time. And the pastor called me like, hey, man, you don't got to try to explain yourself or where you at or why you doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? Just keep doing what you're doing because you're doing good. We're proud of you. You know what I mean? You, you are light to somebody that's in that industry. Like if you look at, at Gucci right now, Gucci don't smoke or drink no more. You know what I mean? Yo, is he a clone? Nah, come on. Man. <laughs> no, for, good question. Nah, Gucci's like a boxer right now, man. If you look at him, he's like he can go, you know, Go get in the boxing ring. So now he ain't no clone. Now he's still that same guy that you say the wrong thing, or he'll say something to be like, "Man, I can't play with, I can't play with that dude right there." <laughs> he still got that killer in his eye. Right. <laughs> so, yo, you don't like taking breaks, huh? I mean, I mean, I mean, you take from, a break and then you make a movie. 
Well, you take a break and you write a book. Well, that's why I enjoy doing it. That's why I enjoy doing like that's the blessing about making music. Is it's not a job to me. Like I get up in the morning and I'm excited to do music. I'm excited to go make a movie. I don't think I'm no good actor, but you know, I want to make a movie. So that's what I'm gonna do, and it's fun because you can. Because I can do it. So that's why that's how I look at this stuff. I look, you know, I don't look at it as in I'm taking breaks or I need a break from work because this stuff is not really that work to me. It's just something I enjoy doing. I like I really having a ball doing what I'm doing. So, you know, my my son, my 19 year old son, is a producer. He's he's you know he's studying producing, and he got really excited when I when I told him that I was going to sit down with you today. Mm. And his question to you was like, what advice do you have for up and coming producers of the next generation? coming up, like with all this music coming out and everything sounding a certain way, how do you develop your own sound? I always encourage a producer, and the only reason I say that this is because this is the way I I made it in the game. I attached myself to a guy like Gucci, man, somebody that I thought that, you know, had a star quality, somebody I thought that was going to do whatever it takes to make it in the rap game, and I attached myself to him, you know what I mean? I said, whatever he need me to do, Gucci called me 3, 4 in the morning. I'm living at my mama's house. I said, I need to come to the studio. I got, you know, uh, the brat with me or whoever. I got to get out my bed, sneak, really sneak them in the back because my folks weren't trying to hear all that. You know what I mean? Who in the house? Yeah, who what? It's, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. But, you know, I, I felt like Gucci had the talent and, and the charisma and the, the drive to do whatever it takes to make it. So I attached myself to him. So when he blew up, you know, it kind of it, it made me blow up. You know what I mean? He kept saying my name so much. I'm doing all his music. So as soon as he blew up, it, it, you know, it brought me in the game. So I always encourage a producer to get with a with a, a artist or somebody that you got chemistry with, somebody you think that can make it, somebody that you think willing to to do what it takes to make it. And then once they, you know, you you do their music and they blow up, there you go. You right there with them. So. He also said that you make it seem so easy. That was there ever a point in your career where you felt like you was gonna lose faith in your career and say, "I give up"? Uh, no, I, have, I ain't really got to that point yet. I, well, I don't think I'm. I better not get to that point. Yeah. <laughs> but anytime I feel like I'm not as hot as I was, or I'm not making as much noise as I was, that's what made me do the movie. That's what made me write a book. It's because it's like, well. Like, cause at the time, I th- I remember, like, I think when Lex Luger might have came in the game, uh, you know, some new producers came in and they was on fire. So Did it's that like, worry you a little bit? Yeah, a little bit, cause it's like now I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, everybody not looking to me no more. They looking to the new producers. So I and said that you inspired that I inspired, yeah. <laughs> but so it made me be like, you know what? I need to do something else to get some attention. I need to bring some attention to me, so. That's what made me do the movie and then get all my rap buddies and put them in it and put it on Netflix. Now you're looking at Zaytoven like, okay, well, dang, Zaytoven just put out a movie. You know what I mean? So that, now that makes you even want to listen to the music that much more. That just brings me to a whole other plateau. So that's what, you know, I do that when I feel like I'm not as hot or relevant in music. That's when I start doing other things to bring that attention back towards me. How is it working with other producers like Mike Will? Uh, it's actually fun, man. It's, you know, I, I enjoy working with, with other producers. I never used to do it because I always felt like, comp- you know, I, I'm competitive. I want to go harder than you. I want to make everybody see that I'm harder than you. You know what I mean? But, you know, when you work with other producers, it just brings a whole nother sound, you know what I mean, together. 
It's like I take a little bit of what I do and add what he do. Now we got a sound that ain't never been heard before. And I think that's what uh what keeps Atlanta on fire. That's what keep our artists, you know what I mean, in Atlanta so popping cuz we we working with each other. You know, we mix and matching our formulas and and putting it out there. So it's making it hard to beat. What's the most valuable lesson you learned in your in your, in your career so far? Like, man, you know, I don't have any regrets or lessons or anything that didn't really happen to everything been such a smooth ride and everything was going you know so good that I can't really say I ain't I can't really say I did this and had to learn like that taught me something right there it's like everything been moving you know so smoothly and I think it's because the way I you know the way I move and the way I, I treat things me being independent doing it my own way I ain't never really had no regrets Top five producers and top five MCs or top five rappers. Top five rappers and producers. Uh, I will say producers. Let me go with. You got to say Timberland. You got to say Dr. Dre. To me, you got to say DJ Quick. Like I'm a DJ Quick fan. Oh yeah. yeah you oh know yeah. Know oh I mean? yeah. I like DJ Quick. So. Rosecrans. Yeah, man. I'm a DJ Quick fan. How many I named? Three. Yeah, it's three. Uh, who else, man? Hold on, y'all. Dre, Tim, Quick. Okay, okay. No, they gave me who I already chose. Uh, I like for real. I got to say Neptunes. Neptunes and y'all got me. It's so many producers, man. Y'all name somebody. I don't. I didn't win blank. No, 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 don't name nobody. No, 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 no. I'm gonna choose. No, I'm gonna choose who I want. I just want to hear what they got. I just want to hear some different names because I can't think. Huh? My, uh, yeah. Nah, uh, no, none of them. It ain't Rizzo. none of them. It ain't none of them. Huh? What's the y'all Quincy, talking about? Quincy we, I'm, Jones. I'm trying to go with, like, you know, I'm trying to go with history. Now, if I get the name in all the high producers. Manny Fresh. There you go. What up, Chad? What up? There what we up? go. Manny That's Fresh. That's not fair, though. That's <laughs> now, I didn't want to name no, all no, the no, guys no. from right now, yeah. you know, because then we, you, I'm going to need more than five. Rappers. Rappers. I'm so curious. Cause y'all, yeah, y'all gonna y'all gonna laugh at some of the people I pick, but no, no judgments. No judgments. They no got judgments. Twitter fingers ready. <laughs> Yo, well, I, ready got to to I got to say, I got to say, Gucci man. Yes. I got to say, Future. Mm. Let me see my favorites, man. Let me <laughs> let me go back. Let me. Of course, you got to say Tupac. You got to say Pop. Hmm. Now this one gonna throw y'all for a loop. I like Cameron. Oh no, nah, that's oh that's, y'all rocking with. Nah. Oh, oh come on, come on, killer. I'm talking about we on the same page. Oh man, a lot of I people, like Cam. Cameron Hell is in a yeah. lot of people's top fives. I like Cam, man. Cam the truth. Who can I get his last one? Last one, my man. His last don't, don't one. Don't name too. no names. That was a good one too, man. Cam Shit, is a good Hell one. Oh yeah, that's a good one. But it makes a, a lot of one. sense though. Yeah, because yeah, that's the type of music we make. Yeah, so Cameron. I mean, Cameron in a sense begat Gucci. Gucci man, that's what that's what we used to listen to. Me and Gucci used to listen to Cameron. So, oh, ah. <laughs> let me give it to let me give it to Biggie man, because I was a Biggie. Woo, guy. Brooklyn, to, give it to Brooklyn. Gotta say Biggie man. Um, what's next for you? What's next for me? You know, it's definitely music. It's so much music now that I've been working on and. Different artists that you never heard me work work with, so you know, keep your ears ears and eyes open for all the new music coming out. 
I'm working on, I don't know if y'all seen my first movie, Birds of a Feather. Uh, well, we doing Birds of a Feather 2. We starting to shoot uh, November the 1st. So next year, Netflix, Birds of a Feather 2 will be, you know. Yo, can I make a cameo in there, man? Come on, man. We need, man. we need you to. We need you to. Uh, and, you know, right now I've been doing this uh, thing called Producer Camp. So for all the up-and-coming producers, guys that want to be in the game, and it's not just for, for producers. It could be for rappers, for DJs. I do like a seminar. It's called Producer Camp. I've been doing them, you know, different cities around, and it's been doing real good. A lot of people have been showing up. A lot of people have been coming in, getting That's the game. There's a whole game. other bag right There's there. a whole other something else. And I'm surprised <laughs> at the people that come. You got dentists be coming, doctors. Like, what you trying to make a beat for? Hey. But, you know, they coming, so. This has been beautiful, hey, man. I appreciate yes, it. I appreciate in Atlanta, it. man, thank you, thank you so much. You know what we do? Dream those dreams and then man up, woman up, and live those dreams because a life without dreams is black and white and the universe flows and Technicolor, and surround sound. Hey, yo, Internets, man, this is a real special treat. When we were down at A3C, uh, A. King and I had the real honor. I mean, this was kind of foisted upon us initially, like funny nigga like me. I was like, I really don't want to do this. I'm not prepared. But A3C, I don't know if they were doing a, a cultural exchange or whatever, but the mayor from Cape Town, South Africa, Patricia DeLille, was in town. I guess they're working on some, like, a cultural exchange between Cape Town and Atlanta. A3C in Jersey City, but but I got a chance to interview her. Um, I was really unprepared, but you know your nigga got them diplomatic skills. No, we had a good we had a good sit down. We talked about culture. We talked about a lot. Um, I know some of y'all might not be into this, but one of the things that she really highlighted um, was how important on a global level these upcoming this upcoming election means. And her like it was ill. Like you'll hear it in her words, just to, just to hear what she said. But you know, internet. I'm always giving y'all some culture. You know what it is. Um, so just rock this out. I'm glad y'all stayed up until this point. Zaytoven was amazing. A3C was amazing. Atlanta was amazing. Follies was amazing. Nigga. So Daisy. Easy, easy, easy. But listen, man, let's, let's not put Daisy in the same sentence with the mayor of Cape Town. Into this without further ado, uh, Mayor Patricia DeLeo from Cape Town, South Africa. Yeah, we going to South Africa. Into Nets. South Africa. We are coming to see y'all. All right? Enjoy. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, the A3C Festival Combat Jack Show, we'd like to introduce the mayor of Cape Town, South Africa, Patricia DeLille, DeLille, right? Let's give her a round of applause. Hopefully I didn't mess up her name. I will tell you, and... The six years that I've been doing the Combat Jack show and the six years that I've been interviewing, you know, esteemed um, entertainers, individuals, uh, the common man, as I mentioned before, I've never ever had the opportunity to interview a mayor. And the fact that I'm interviewing a mayor from the motherland mm. is such an honor. So welcome to, to, our, to our panel. So is it, is it Mayor DeLille? Yes, Mayor DeLille. Patricia will be better. Patricia, Mayor yeah, Patricia, yes. can I call you Mayor Patricia or just That's Patricia? That's fine. I'm just so, Patricia is also fine. I'm so curious as to what brings you to the A3C conference. Well, I've just arrived in Atlanta yesterday. Um, it's a long history between Atlanta and, and South Africa. Uh, you know, your civil rights uh, struggles with um, apartheid struggles in South Africa at brought very close links between um, Atlanta and South Africa. 
I'm, I'm here to, for two reasons. The one is that we're living in a global village today. And in that global village, the kind of challenges, the cha kind of, of um, problems that you face, it's, it's, it's all over the world. And to make sure that, that we get the best for the people of the city of Cape Town, especially for our young people, um, I've come here to look for opportunities and to look how we can work together uh, with the city of Atlanta and Mayor Reed to build on those opportunities. And one of the reasons that I'm here this afternoon, I would like to take um, this concept uh, of the A3C, I would like to take this concept to Cape Town and introduce it in Cape Town. So I would like to invite you then to Cape Town too. I'm there. Because again, you know, the, 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 the culture of hip hop, it's, it's a universal culture. And I'm sure that, and, and I don't want to speak for young people, but there will be a lot for the young people of Cape Town to connect with the young people of Atlanta um, at A3C and the concept. I think it's a wonderful concept just to, to link hip hop uh, to social justice, social cohesion. And, and, and get through the, the, the mind of young people how what you think about social justice and how important it is to you. Um, so that is also the other reason that I'm in Atlanta. Thank you. Mayor Patricia, you know, um, we've all watched uh, the world stage that South Africa was on with regard to um, ending um, the tyranny of apartheid. Yeah. Um, but I think we as outsiders think that you know, everything now is perfect in South Africa with regard to race relations. Um, what, what, can you share with us, you know, what your opinion is of what's happening or, you know, where this journey is at this point in 2016 in South Africa? Uh, 2016 is just 20 years after we attained our political freedom. Now, what did that mean? We were the first time in the history of, of South Africa, black people were able to vote for the first time. And when we were given the vote for the first time, we were able to vote in a leader like Nelson Mandela. And so Nelson Mandela set our country on a different part of, of, of dealing with the past, healing, reconciliation, and just begin to get used to it that we are one nation and we've got one future together. But yes, apartheid, it's no longer on the statute books, it's no longer part of the law, but the legacy of apartheid will still be with us for many years to come. So racism is quite arrived in our country. Um, and, and as we, we, we go from one generation to the other, it seems to be getting better. But when I read about, and I, we see in television about the racial struggles that you still have in the United States of America, um, it's, it's similar to some of the things we have to face at home. But the consolation for me in arising out of apartheid and um, today having to face racism in my own city, the city of Cape Town, is that the majority of people are not racist. 
you do have a minority that you have got that racial agenda. And what for me is important is to mobilize the majority that are not racist and say to that minority that are racist, we will not allow you to speak for us. Because it's that minority that uh, sort of um, put the, 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 the trajectory of, of how you deal with racism. And so we all react. We all react. And, and, and um, apartheid was declared a crime against humanity. That's how bad it was. I mean, I, I was born during the years of apartheid, and I grew up during those years. Where you wanted to go to school, to church, where you wanted to work or live, that was determined by race. And, and, and today, 20 years later, it has not changed that much. It has not changed that much because one of the architects of apartheid made sure that the spatial planning of our cities put uh, black people far away from the cities. And that's where all the black townships were built. It's like you get into New York and you find that Harlem is right at the other end of New York. We had similar spatial apartheid. And so my role today is to make sure that I bridge the divides of the past, that we close up those spatial urban divides and bring young people in to, to be part of that designing that future. Because as, as, as young people, yes, I believe that you must remember your past. You must honor the past. But you now have an opportunity to design your own future. So yes, remember the past, but take the opportunities that you have. And I think hip-hop, also uh, the hip-hop culture, gives you that opportunity to design your own future. Make your life what you want your life to be. You only come through this life but once. There's not going to be a second chance. So yes, racism is there and it's all over the world. Um, similarly, I'm working with the mayor from Rio, also on racism. Racism is all over the world. And, 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 and the departure point for, for the mayor of Rio and the city of Cape Town where we work together, the message that we are sending out is to say, you don't need to be black to fight racism. Mm. You don't need to be a woman to fight gender inequality. You don't need to be a gay person to fight homophobes. And that is the kind of inclusivity that we need. And I'm sure you can also bring that inclusivity through hip-hop and, and, and just take on these uh, scourges that we have to deal around the world. But certainly the legacy of apartheid is still there. You know, I was, I was young enough um, to be in college during the... Um anti-apartheid movement here in the States. Yes. And I remember on campuses all throughout the country, many of us um, rallied, many of us even got arrested yes. uh, to see uh, apartheid ended in South Africa. So now in 2016, with the um, aid and the, the, the support of social media, we are now really for the first time on a global scale seeing the injustices, racial injustices yeah. that take, take place in the United States, because South Africa has been such a great example, 
of reconciliation, of moving forward. Are there any, are there any, is there any advice for here in the States as to how to mobilize so that we can effectuate change for racial equality? To begin to address racial inequality, you have to address the inequalities, the social inequalities that exist. It sometimes becomes difficult to talk about how do you deal with racial inequality without addressing poverty, for instance, without addressing the social inequalities that you have within society. And, and, and therein lies what we are trying to do in the city of Cape Town and in, in South Africa, is to say that we can never be free while we still have 80% of our people living in poverty. We can never be free when 60% of our young people are still unemployed. And you have to make sure that you build an inclusive society. You build a society where there are opportunities for young people, where um, you, you govern in a way um, where you use government resources to provide for the poor and, and to make sure that you, know, you, you provide decent housing, you create jobs. So all of those social issues... Even for us today, um, after 1994, and it's 22 years now, we're still struggling with that. Um, because if you want to have all of these things change, we also have to change our mindset. We can't continue to live in a, 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 a past where you want to be a victim for the rest of your life. Oh, I'm a victim of this. I'm a victim of that. In the end... You're not going to move because you're going to start believing that you are just a victim and you must stay where you are. Mm -hmm. That is why I always say to young people, you're not only the present, you're, also, you're not only the future, you're also the present. Take those opportunities, create them. Do it yourself because nobody's going to do it for you. We sometimes think that government must come and do everything for you. Let me tell you, if you are going to wait on any government to do anything for you, you're going to wait until you die one day and you would have still not received it. Can't just wait on government. You have to say to yourself, what am I also doing to help myself? And then take what is available from government and then build on that. So... Poverty, inequality um, in our communities, um, and, um, in Atlanta and in Cape Town, um, it is the, the, the extent to which you find that is still very visible. And that is why I, I, I honestly believe, and one of the reasons that I'm here is that time is not on our side. We can't still just talk about things and not do something. That's the difference being be between a mayor and, 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 and a president of the country. A president of the country can just talk. Mm. But as a mayor, we have to do it on a daily basis, and we have to face these social problems on a daily basis. And there's so m many similarities between young people here in Atlanta and young people in Cape Town. And I certainly hope that, you know, if we do the um, A3C in Cape Town, 
that the winner from Cape Town can come and participate here in Atlanta with you, and then you can, the young people can speak for themselves. I'm a bit past that age, but I'm sure I will bring young people here to engage with you. May Patricia, who are some of your favorite hip-hop artists? No, I, I, I won't be able to tell you. <laughs> I said, I said earlier on to one of them, Denver, who came with me from Cape Town, I said, you must show me some moves now. <laughs> <laughs> Let I <laughs> but I look forward to see how you guys are doing it tonight. And of course, here's one sitting right next to me. You are my favorite. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know, I, I would say the last question, and, and this is something, you know, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, this gentleman over there, when he asked me the question, one of the challenges, and you know, um, being older, the fact that I have a platform, you know, I definitely love yeah. the fun aspect of it. Yes. I definitely love the entertainment aspect of it. But I go to sleep every night thinking about the responsibility mm. that I have. But, you know, everybody in here, regardless if they have a platform or if they're an artist or an executive, I, I really want you to nail down um, really the weight of the responsibility that everybody in this room has with yes. regard to effectuating social change? Definitely. Um, we all have a responsibility. We all have a duty. And you don't have a choice. We all have got a responsibility. You have to take responsibility for your own life. I always say to young people, all the bad things, even women, all the bad things that happen to us in life is because we allow it to happen. We should not allow these things to happen to us. And I know it, 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 it sounds easy saying it. It might be different in, in, in real life. But responsibility means a small issue that like, if there's something that you are unhappy about, Instead of walking around and thinking that nobody cares about you, feeling sorry for yourself, try and look around you where there's a platform, like this platform, to come and talk about it. Come and engage with your peers to talk about what you experience. You will soon find that you're not the only one that there are many more young people going through the same, but then take responsibility. Now, once you take responsibility for your own future and you can decide what you want to do with your life, it becomes much easier because then you have a plan, you set yourself some goals, you say, this is what I want to achieve by this age of my life. Um, I don't want to be... Uh, 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 I want to get married, and on this day, I want to get this in my life, but I want to get a job, I want to have a family. Those things you plan. You plan by taking responsibility for your own future. Platforms like, like this one, like the A3C, can help you, but it cannot finally decide for you. You have to do it yourself. There's unfortunately no other way. And because you are still young and you still have your whole life ahead of you, design your own life, plan your own life. That's why we as parents, we are there to guide. 
But you know, always when, when um, I also do a lot of work um, for many years around HIV and AIDS, and I, I, I say to young people is that when you take that decision to have unprotected sex, you are there and you alone, and that split-second decision that you must make, and that's when you have to take responsibility for your life. Because HIV-AIDS is not about death. It's about life. It's about how you live your life, not to get infected. And that's what, what it means to take responsibility. And I can just say to all of you, you are young and beautiful. Enjoy your life while you are still young. It's strange how we are in life. Eh? When you are young, you want to be older. You want to behave as if you are you know, you know everything in life. And when you are older, you would like to be young again. You know, old people want to. So enjoy your life. That's all I can say, but enjoy your life responsibly. Thank you. You know, the, the last question I want to ask you, and then I want to open up the, the floor for uh, questions. You know, I, I, I read somewhere, I forgot, I just read recently, um, where someone commented on the effectiveness of the um, civil rights movement in the 60s um, and how because the reason why that movement was so successful was because people were willing to sacrifice yes. everything, even their lives. Yes. Um, you know, things you know haven't changed that much in 2016, even though we have a black president. But things have gotten a little cushy. We have Starbucks on every corner. We have our iPhones. You know what I'm saying? We have World Star. We have the internet. Um, so it's it's become a lot more difficult for the individual to accept how much they have to sacrifice individually for the greater good of everyone. Can we talk about sacrifice and getting to that point where we're willing to sacrifice everything to see all of us live freely and equally? Nothing but nothing in life is free. Your, your freedom will not be delivered to you on a silver platter. You have to work hard and you have to work damn hard. <laughs> then anything in life is possible. But you must be prepared to work and to work damn hard to achieve it. The kind of leadership that we've seen in the early 60s, like Martin Luther King, Mandela, uh, Steve Biko in South Africa, Robert Sabukwe in South Africa, those kind of leaders had three principles that they base their leadership on. And that's how they became leaders. They were able to, uh, uh, um, to accept that they are going to have to suffer. They have to go through lots of suffering to get what they finally would like to see their fellow um, uh, uh, people to also enjoy. They also had accepted that they have to make sacrifices. But what main thing is that they've accepted that they must serve. They are there to serve. As a leader, you must be prepared to serve and lead from the front. And that's the difference with the leaders of, of the 60s and the civil rights movement to the kind of leaders that you see today. What's all about them and not about... Uh, uh, um, and not about the people that they, they, they serve. But also, we should also not fall into 
the the um, fall into the culture of creating a cult, you know, a leader where you think this leader is everything. You know, where you really just, it's all about this leader and this leader can do whatever that leader wants to do. It's wrong. We must also hold our leaders accountable. That's why we vote. That's why we go out and vote. Every time you vote, like you're going to vote now in November here in America, you have to say to yourself, this vote, there's value to my vote. The only way that I can bring about change is by voting. And those people that have not done what they said they're going to do, you, you have voted them in, so you have to use your vote to vote them out. I won't tell you I'm going to watch your debate on, on Sunday night. I won't tell you where my allegiances lie. But I hope Americans are going to make the right decision. Because if you, if you use that vote, or even if you stay away on the election day and you don't go out and vote, please, then you mustn't come and complain afterwards because then you deserve the government that you get. Many people say, oh, I'm going to stay at home, you know, nothing has changed in my life and all of that. It's not, about, it's not about you, it's about your country, it's about the future of this country. So use your vote wisely so that you can make sure that you get a leader that will consider not their personal pockets, but consider this great country of America. It's your future, you're going to take over from them one day. So make sure that you even let them understand now that before I vote for you, Hillary, or I before I vote for you, Donald Trump, no. this is what this Sorry. is what we want from you. You have to tell them before you vote and hear where where they pitch. So when they have these town hall meetings and that go, don't waste your vote. You, you, you want to know that, that your, your, your vote, you're going to get value for, it for, for your vote. Democracy is very, very important. Democracy can bring about the change that people want, but that is only by voting for the right people. Thank you so much, May. I have one last question personally for you. Um, you know, I had the opportunity, the benefit to travel out of the country extensively this past summer. And the, the the same theme that I that I that I realize from country to country is how the world is looking at this particular round of elections. Mm. How important is are these upcoming elect is this upcoming election to the global community? Well, I can. It's, it's not just our issue. It's very important. I can just hope and pray that Americans do the right thing when they go and vote. Um, America is the fastest, I mean, it's the biggest economy in the world. Uh, you've produced very good leaders. Um, many people are looking up to America in many, many ways, especially the English-speaking countries, and that includes South Africa, too. And I will just ask Americans that when you make that cross in November, that you must know that it's not just about America, but it's about the world. We're living in a global village. 
And I don't know whether I'm going to be politically correct, but I can say to you now that if Americans vote for a person like Donald Trump that is going to destroy all the good relations that you've built over the years with many, many countries, you're going to be in serious trouble, but so will be the rest of the world. So please, Americans, don't, don't give us somebody that's going to take the world back. We need somebody that can take the world forward and can give you young people the opportunity to become what you want to be in life. So that, that is my view. I, I, I would really love to see that America... Uh, that Americans, because now the future of America is in your hands. It is not in the hands of Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. You are going to decide the future of America on election day with your vote. So the power is in your hands. And I can only say Americans use your power wisely. Thank you very much and God bless you. May Delil, thank you so much. This episode of the Combat Jack Show was produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King and Chris Morrow, engineered by Samir Karan and recorded in the Engine Room Audio Studio in downtown Manhattan. This is an official Loudspeakers Network's production. Yo, 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 Combat, A. King, whole team, man, what's good? It's your boy Vaughn, the general, straight from Providence, Rhode Island, man, just had to tune in, but y'all know I've been listening for... I don't even know how long, man. Years and years. Definitely been riding the wave, seeing y'all grow. Can't wait to be on the show because you know I'm going to be on there. This is just me speaking into existence, baby. Combat, you already follow me on Twitter. You already know how it gets down, baby. Ground up entertainment. You already know what it is. Von the General. Ah.